Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at the Andre Swift. If you did not catch the Friday edition of this podcast back on May 21st, you can actually hear from the Detroit Lions starting running back himself. He was kind enough to spare some time uh, for us, had a good time discussing, you know, if Swift was down to have a live lion on the field, who he considers the all-swag RB1, and what he made of uh, Anthony Lynn's comments about Jamal Williams being you know, their quote-unquote A-back and Swift being more the space back. So encourage you guys to take that out, check that out, because, you know, as much as I like to think I have a good grasp on what's going on in the NFL, obviously the players themselves are the ones in the locker room. So good stuff there. But yeah, and so this one, we're going to focus more on Swift's fantasy football goodness. Now, I'm well aware that PFF, my lovely employer, who I thank very much for paying my bills, uh, published a running back rankings article that was not in fantasy, deemed towards real life, that unfortunately left off Swift and Cam Akers. You know, I don't agree with those rankings, and that's not the case here. So I'm sure that there's going to be some people quote-tweeting this when it comes out, you know, saying, oh, not even in the top 32. Let the record show that I'm vehemently against that ranking, and I firmly believe Swift is not just a top 32 back in the real life and fantasy, but I think much more in that top 20. And the biggest reason is because of his receiving ability. Now, Go ahead, if you want, hold the week one drop against the Bears that should have won the game. If you want to just hold that against Swift for the rest of his career and refuse to say this guy is a great receiver because of that, go ahead. But where, where's this, where are we drawing the line, people? Like Julio Jones in week two let a perfect pass from Russell Gage bounce off his helmet in the end zone. Now, I know Julio's built up quite a bit longer career than Swift, but man, we can find examples of the best players in the league playing awful. Patrick Mahomes' you know, dropped interception reel from last year is like two, three minutes long. I mean, it's like we just need to look at the entire product, and the entire product tells us that Swift was a great receiving back. Just in terms of yards per route run among all running backs with at least 25 targets last year, number one was Alvin Kamara, two James White, three Miles Gaskin, four Naeem Hines, five Austin Eckler, number six DeAndre Swift. And, you know, he stacks up favorably when we look at just rookies over the past five years as well. I mean, only Kamara, Eckler, Joe Mixon, Tariq Cohen, Miles Sanders managed to top Swift's gaudy per route efficiency. Like, he looks great on the field, both in terms of swag and just, you know, his route running ability. I mean, one of the first after Dan Campbell's, you know, first press conference lit everyone on fire, talking about the biting kneecaps, but one of the first things he said after that was about Swift, his comfort, you know, comfort in the slot and just his ability to kind of win out there. And we really saw that four stretches of the year, particularly in that Washington game. I mean, I know his breakout came against the Jaguars in week six, but even then, like that was just the Lions like running so far over Jacksonville. I think AP was pretty close to 100 yards in that game, too. And Swift just made the most out of his 14 carries. But for me, it was that Washington game that really kind of not woke me up. I was fully aware of Swift by that 
that point, but maybe think that this guy could be, you know, more special than your usual running back with the workload. I mean, what he did in that game, 16 carries, 81 yards, but more impressively, caught all five of his targets for 68 yards and a score. With a lot of that coming lined up as a true receiver, just get the ball in the guy's hands and he makes magic happen in space. You know, so slippery. Just the suddenness this guy cuts. Uh, You see it on film. He makes world-class professional NFL football players look slow at times. And it's unfortunate that right after that breakout game in Week 10, we saw him hit the bench for the next three weeks. He returned later in the year and was still okay, but you know, at that point, we just didn't really see him have a chance to build on that momentum. He was able to play a season-high 73 snaps in that game. After he came back, he never reached 70 again You know, with nothing to really play for by that point in the season. There just wasn't really a need to kind of put this huge feature workload on his plate that we saw guys like Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, even you know Antonio Gibson before his injury a little bit. We saw those guys kind of get those on playoff teams or teams. I think they were all playoff teams, yeah. We saw those guys get those workloads because their teams were actively trying to win at the end of the year. Not that the Lions wanted to lose their final four games, but with Swift, they were certainly uh, more willing to, you know, just get him into the offseason somewhat healthy, and we can deal with the rest of it after. So, truly, people, Swift, special as a receiver, as a rookie, and, I mean, as great as kind of some of these uh, advanced stats paint him out to be, I'm telling you, the film was every bit as impressive, if not more. The rushing issues is, I'm guessing, why he got kind of left off that aforementioned PFF top 32 running backs. Last year in PFF rushing grade, he ranked 38th among 47 qualified backs, just 30th in missed tackles forced per carry, 43rd in yards after contact per rush. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad rusher. This is kind of what we expected, though. I mean, coming out uh, from our PFF draft guide, you know, just what to kind of expect from him, uh, our just main kind of one-sentence takeaway, Swift is a complete running back, but if you're valuing him highly, you better have a plan to take advantage of his receiving ability. Like, that's the great part of his game, and that's fine. Like, that's what we should be drafting running backs for in the year 2021. If you have an early down grinder, like even Derrick Henry, man, like as incredible as he was last year, there were portions of the games like them in comeback mode where Darrington Evans is like taking him off the field. Jeremy McNichols playing legit snaps over Derrick Henry. Now, whether or not those guys should have been doing that to begin with, maybe this is a bad example using Derrick Henry, but we don't want these early down type guys in the year 2021. So the fact that Swift for now is objectively a better receiver than rusher, like that's good. He should be. And even then, like, again, I'm not willing to call him a bad rusher just yet because 4.6 yards per carry behind the same offensive line. AP was at 3.9, carry on Johnson 3.5. And if you want to say, well, Swift faced less loaded boxes than AP or carry on because teams had to respect him as a receiver. One, you're right. And two, that's the point. That's why we shouldn't be as worried about the rushing ability because Swift forces defenses to play him differently because they know the second you load up in the box, if you put him out into the slot where he's comfortable performing, he's going to freaking undress whatever, you know, just plodding linebacker you try to put on him in space. So to me... Swift, ideal modern day running back. Now the question is, will we have the ideal workload to kind of complement this ability? Because, you know, this quote quote heard around the world from uh, last week here in the middle of May, you know, peak offseason coach speak season here, people. But from the offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn, former Chargers head coach, Bill's offensive coordinator, running back coach uh, before that. Um, In regards to free agent addition, Jamal Williams, former Packers back, Lynn said the following, Jamal is what I call a classic A-back. My A-backs are normally my bigger backs. I can lead those guys in there for all three downs. My B-back comes in. He's a guy that sometimes I want to use in space more. He's my speed and space guy, seemingly talking about DeAndre Swift. Let's just 
keep in mind, people, this interview was not like Len going over the entire offense and he just you know chose to kind of talk about Jamal. Like it was an article about Jamal Williams coming into the picture. And they asked him about Swift, and he said, "Yeah, Swift's going to be there too." Like, just pick what, pick what coach offseason coach speak you want to pick, because you know people forget Len already called Swift a three-down back back in March, and the running back coach Deuce Staley, throwback name from those uh, early 2000s Eagles and Steelers teams, even for a little bit. Deuce Staley noted Swift could be a 25 touch per game player, saying how you know they can get him his 17, 18 rushes, and then an additional seven targets or so. So I get it. Those two headlines came before Lions gave Williams you know his two-year deal. Guys, it's a six million dollar contract. Like as much as Len wants to call him their classic A back, like I know it's a new coach staff and Swift was there last year, but you look at this offense and Swift is clearly the most explosive guy remaining. And I just think that, you know, while we're not going to see Swift get this McCaffrey S 400 touch workload, I really hope these comments start leading to Swift falling down the board. If anything, it's going to be like it was in Green Bay, but we're not going to have the same kind of touchdown equity that Aaron Jones had over the years, but that's okay. I mean, as annoying as Jamal Williams has been over the years, it's just been like limiting Aaron Jones's potential to be like the RB1, not his, not his potential to be a, an RB1 because he was consistently. Even Aaron Jones with Jamal Williams being very good in his own right over the past two years, Jones had 285 touches in 16 games in 2019, 248 touches in 14 games in 2020. So look, Jamal Williams is good in his own right. When he got to start against the uh, Texans, like first play of the game, rips off a big run, has his helmet knocked off he gets up and he's just more psyched than anyone like I love watching the dude play unfortunately he keeps landing on these teams where he's stealing snaps from guys that we would hope to get uh, the extra opportunities in their own right to be a better fantasy asset so yeah it's not ideal I would rather you know them not be hyping up the guy that we're hoping stays on the bench behind Swift but I just think that in terms of the salary in terms of the context of the interview and in terms of what Lynn himself has said throughout the offseason I still think we should you know confidently project Swift as number one fantasy back. Will Jamal have more carries than Swift? Maybe. AP had more carries than Swift last year, and it didn't really matter for fantasy land, man. We want those targets. That's what Swift, that's what Swift brings to the table. And so his coaching staffs have repeatedly called out. So Again, this is peak off-season coach speak season, people. Don't let you know one interview completely change your entire process on these guys. We gotta keep it all in mind. I'm not saying to ignore it. You know, there's a reason why I don't have a Swift as a top 12 back or anything, even though that would be his ceiling with a legit workload. And you can laugh and say, I don't want anyone involved in the Lions offense. Like, look at James Robinson, the Jaguars last year. Like Swift, James Robinson is a good running back. I'm not trying to hate on him, but the reason why Robinson was RB1 son was because he had more touches than anybody other than Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook before he got hurt last year. Unfortunately, that is not really in Swift's range of outcomes. But then again, almost every backfield in the league at this point is a committee. At least we know the Lions committee is condensed around two backs. And God forbid something happens to Swift or Jamal Williams, we know either of these guys can really handle themselves on all three downs. So... Moving ahead to our PFF Lily stat for DeAndre Swift, it's Anthony Lynn's uh, recent history of just getting a PPR RB1, and it's happened consistently. Just in terms of PPR points per game, in 2016, LaShawn McCoy was the RB4. In 2017, Melvin Gordon was the RB6. 2018, Melvin Gordon was the RB5. Even had Eckler turning in an RB27 production as the RB2. In 2019, that was when Gordon was uh, you know holding out for a bit. Eckler finishes as the RB16. Gordon finishes as the RB15. Then even last year, 
year, even with Eckler missing, you know, six games and even being really banged up in that one, uh, I believe he got hurt against uh, Tampa, like six snaps into the game or something ridiculous. He was still the RB12 in points per game because receptions are a freaking cheat code in fantasy football. Lynn knows how to get his RB1 those receptions. So with all that said, DeAndre Swift enters 2021 as, as my RB6 team. It's right in line with his underdog ADP. I will take him ahead of guys like Chris Carson, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders for the pass game upside. I would take guys like Cam Akers, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, and Claude Eberzelaire before Swift. While Swift has that receiving workload, I think it's pretty clear at this point that, I mean, more than 200 carries, that's probably, you know, a little bit of a pipe dream. So, unfortunately, again, I don't think Swift's going to have a big enough role to really leap in the RB1 territory. I don't think the Lions offense is going to be good enough to kind of help him offset any lack of opportunity with touchdowns. But, man... We're still looking at a very talented back that might all of a sudden be going really under the radar. I mean, the amount of people freaking out about that Len quote right now as the RB16, I, I think Swift's someone you don't need to come away with drafts and I don't you know, need to use a third round pick on or even, God forbid, a late second round pick. We don't need to use that on a guy in a questionable offense whose workload is a little bit up in the air. The second Swift starts falling down, though, that's when he's going to become a priority, people. Once we see that uh, ADP creeping behind uh, J.K. Dobbins, behind Miles Sanders, you know, starting to get in that RB20 range. That's when we pounce on DeAndre Swift. So, hey, I get it. I, I would rather Anthony Lynn, you know, had told us that Swift's going to be the man and we could really just start centering uh, lineups around him right now. He might have done us a favor, though, when things are all said and done if the community overreacts to it like they appear to be doing right now. So 2021, I think it's going to be RB2 season for DeAndre Swift. He's the only guy other than TJ Hawkinson, this Lions offense, I think you need to really prioritize. And hey, both Swift and Williams can be decent values with where they're going. You know, like Swift, Williams is, you know, a competent three-down back who's going to who's going to offer borderline RB1, if not that already upside, if uh, Swift happens to go down. Again, people, we're just chasing volume here. We're not chasing talent as much. Luckily, Swift might be in a situation to have a good amount of both, even if Jamal is a little bit more annoyingly involved than we would all hope. Uh, last point, if you want to try to attack this Lions backfield and make some money on it, because why wouldn't you, uh, go ahead and do so over at Underdog Fantasy. If you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual description. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every single day. Fantasy Files also have regular Wednesday episodes with my guy, Andrew Erickson. We go over, you know, news from the previous week, more uh, kind of big picture ideas. And of course, a Friday article. Friday podcast, I should say, 10 questions with hopefully more and more NFL players. We've gotten T. Higgins. We've gotten DeAndre Swift so far. Uh, trying my hardest to continue to keep those podcasts up with the good people. So thank you as always for tuning in. I'm Ian Hardix. Until next time, take care, everybody. 